Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John chapter 7. You know, the Bible is the source of wisdom. You know, where do you go to get wisdom? You don't just go to the uh, dollar store. There's a place where you go to get wisdom, and it's the Bible. The Bible says when we become born again, we walk in light, no longer in darkness. That does not just apply, friends, to spiritual things. It applies to everything. God is the source of knowledge, not colleges, not our modern educational system. Knowledge comes from God, and it comes from His Word. That is why I believe the devil's onslaught, even at churches today, the church is sick, there's no getting around it. It's because they have omitted God's Word. And when God's Word is not taught... People stay in darkness. They stay illiterate. So when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. When we left off last week in John chapter 7, we remember Jesus did this incredible miracle by the pool of Bethesda, the pool of five porches. And as he did this great miracle... There was great indignation against Jesus because not only did he heal on the Sabbath, but he told the lame man to rise, take up his bed, and walk, thereby commissioning him to work on the Sabbath day. That was a capital offense according to to Levitical law. So they were out to kill Jesus. This gets back to the old idea, no good deed goes unpunished. Jesus heals a guy who had been lame for 38 years. Now he walks, and instead of them saying, wow, Jesus, that's cool. How'd you do that? It's, let's kill him. Crazy stuff. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to us. Give us the insight, the wisdom that comes from you. And may your Holy Spirit now teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 31, where we left off. And many of the people believed in him, speaking of Jesus, and said, When Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Well, of course not. Because they were seeing things that had never been done before. We remember that Jesus had fed the 5,000. We remember that Jesus was doing all kinds of miracles. In fact, when we get to the end of the book of John, the Bible says, if everything that Jesus did was recorded, John says, I don't suppose there'd be enough books in the world to record it all. So he did far more than we're reading about even here. Well, verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowds murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him, or literally arrest him is what they wanted to do. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. 
Then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me, not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now, many people believe that what Jesus is saying here, he knew the heart of these guys. They were never going to repent. Where I'm going back to heaven, you're not going because you don't believe. Well, the Jews said among themselves, verse 35, where does he intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Well, actually, he did through his disciples. Uh, we know that uh, the message of the gospel went everywhere. Verse 36, what is this thing that he said? You will seek me and not find me, and where I'm going, you cannot come. Well, again, we know that we as Christians are heaven-bound. We know people that have not received Christ as their Savior are Well, let's just say the bad place. That's what the Bible talks about. The separation of the wheat and the, and the, and the, and the weeds, the wheat and the, and the tares. We realize that there is going to be one day a separation. You make your decision now. Every person listening, every person living today is determining what position you will hold in heaven forever. So anybody that thinks, well, one day doesn't matter from the next. Listen, every day determines what position we're going to hold in heaven. So how then shall we live? I think that's wise to ask the question. I think it's important that we continue to consider our relationship with Christ each and every day. Verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast. Now this is the feast of tabernacles. Uh, John chapter 7 begins with the Feast of Tabernacles. It was an eight-day event. And what would happen is it was required, and they estimate there was probably about 2.5 million Jews went to this great feast. So it was packed out. Now, what's important here as well is the priest would walk around the altar every day for seven days and pour water out on the altar. You say, well, why was he doing that? Because the whole idea of the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, Booth was a place where you would live, uh, uh, Feast of Tents, was to remind the children of Israel how God provided for their forefathers in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt. And so how God not only provided manna on the ground, but he also provided water. And remember the springs that came out of the rock when Moses spoke to the rock the first time, hit the rock the second time, which, by the way, kept him from going into the promised land on the second time. But because God says, just speak to the rock. Once Christ is smitten, you don't have to smite Christ again. You just need to ask and God will give it. Well, anyway, the picture was Christ and we know that God provided. So the priest would pour water out on the altar for these seven days leading up to the final day, the eighth day. And so Jesus on the eighth day stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, what do we find here? Okay, two things. If you like to take notes in your Bible, the first thing is, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We have what? Input. The next verse. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What's that? Output. Output. Now, what happens 
when you have input into an area and there's no output. Well, the Dead Sea is that. The Jordan River flowing from the Sea of Galilee flows into the Dead Sea. There's no outlet and so it dies. It's dead. The Salton Sea in Southern California is a dead lake. There's no output. In fact, at this point, there's really no input either. But the point is, is that what happens with stagnant water? Anybody know? Azika? Does that sound familiar? West Nile virus? Does that sound familiar? Moss? Weeds? All kinds of stuff grow where it is stagnant. Where water is moving, there are no mosquitoes. There are no predators. See, the idea is that God pours into us, and then what happens? It pours out of us. If we just let God pour into us and pour into us, and by the way, that happens when we first become born again. Why is that? Well, we need it. We need, we're empty vessels, the Bible says. We need God to fill us up. And by the way, that's why sometimes... Husbands and wives, when you love each other and you, and, and, and you say, well, I told her all the time I love her and she never says I love you back. Well, she might be an empty vessel and you just need to keep pouring in and pretty soon she'll fill up and it'll splash over on you. That's a good thing. But what we need to always remember is that we're designed by God for inflow from him and outflow to everybody else. The Bible says God looks all over the world for people he can bless, which in turn will bless others. In other words, we're his translators. We're his communicators. We're his, well, I know it's corny, his radio stations. Because God gives us the signal and then we tell people what it is, how important that is. So always remember that as God pours in, we also pour out and out of our heart shall come rivers of living water. Jesus is making a play on words here because the priest going around pouring water on the altar... That idea that Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am the living water is so important. Verse 39. But he spoke these things concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet not been glorified. Now, there was a promise Jesus said to his followers It's good that I go to heaven. I think a lot of times people today have even asked that question. Why did Jesus have to ascend after he died for everybody's sins? Wouldn't it have been just great if if Jesus had died on the cross, rose from the dead, and was still on earth today going around and, and doing all these miracles and everything? Well, Jesus said, it's good that I go away because when I go, I will send to you the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is an amazing third part of the Godhead. And here's why. The Holy Spirit empowers you and me as his believers to do things far beyond that of mortal men. We always talk about supermen. You know, April Leap, tall buildings at a single bound. Who cleverly disguises Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, peace, and the American But we need something. We need to be empowered. We need to be supermen. And not in a fantasy world, but in a reality. So what has God done? The Bible said he left. 
He gave his disciples explicit instructions, go to the upper room and wait. And they did that. And the Bible says when Pentecost came, that gift of the Holy Spirit fell on all of them, and the Bible said he empowered them. We remember Peter, who cussed and swore that he didn't know who Jesus was, to a little slave girl there around the fire that night that Jesus was in uh, Herod's courtyard. Now we find Peter standing up on Acts chapter 2, on that day that the Holy Spirit came, speaking to everybody with boldness. Now, we, we find... If we walk in the Spirit, we have that power from the Spirit. If we don't walk in the Spirit, well, the Holy Spirit's still there, but we just choose not to use it. Now, here's why that's important. We remember that Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles because he's afraid what the Jews would say. And Paul, the Bible says, rebuked Peter to his face because he was intimidated by what others would think. This same Peter, who was once extremely shy, denied that he knew the Lord, then filled with the Holy Spirit, standing up and speaking to literally uh, thousands of people on Pentecost Sunday, and then relapsing back into weak Peter. Why? Because, gives me a great illustration, the Holy Spirit is there for us if we want to live in the Holy Spirit. You, you know, we can we can accept Christ as our Savior, be filled with the Spirit, and then retreat back into some nook and cranny someplace and not be of any use to the kingdom of God. In other words, the Spirit comes in, but there's no outlet. So how important that is that we do that uh, and and let our light shine. So this is what this is speaking of here. Concerning that, he was speaking spiritually. Verse 40, therefore, whenever you find therefore in the Bible, it is a gear change. You you know, uh, it's like being in an old stick shift car. And you're driving down the road and the motor's revving up and you're in third gear and you're just ready to put it in fourth gear. So you can actually say, since I'm going as fast as I can in third gear, I'm going to push the clutch in and therefore I'm going to put it in fourth And away you go. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But still others said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So therefore, there was division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid their hands on him. Why? His time had not yet come. And friends, as we go into Revelation, we remember the two prophets come, warning the world not to take the mark of the beast. The Bible says nothing can harm them. In fact, the Bible says anybody that tries to kill them, they in turn are killed likewise. So I don't know how that works. You got two prophets in Jerusalem warning the world not to take the mark of the beast. You got angels flying through the midst of heaven not to take the mark of the beast. You got all this stuff going on. Somebody takes some ISIS group, I don't know, throws a hand grenade at the two prophets and the hand grenade goes, boy, and comes right back where it came from. It's weird. It says however somebody tries to kill them, they in turn are killed. 
In other words, it backfires. But what's amazing, it says, until their testimony is done, then they're killed. Now remember, we're all appointed for a certain time, date, and place to leave this earth. Now friends, we think about it. It's not something oftentimes we want to think about, but it's a reality. And if you drive by the memorial parks out here in the cemeteries and you see all those headstones of non-voters, you realize they made their date with destiny. Some went to heaven and some went to hell. And you think about that. Everybody makes a decision. Now, what's important? As we look at this, It says that there was division among them. Some believed one thing about Jesus. Some believed something else about Jesus. We we think that's something all new in our uh, multi-computerized, high-communication world today. Everybody believes something about Jesus. Different. We have it here. So does that mean you just, well, we really don't know who he is, so let's not worry about it. No, that's not what it says. It it tells us we can find out who Jesus is. And just as there was many different beliefs of who Jesus was then, there's also the same thing now. That's why we're all still here. Now you'll, if you, it's really amazing. In fact, we, as we started our study in the book of John, it says, and they refused to give Jesus honor. What does that mean? They They refused to honor him. Islam says, that Allah has no sons. In fact, it's written on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Israel, on the Dome of the Rock Mosque. In writing, it says God has no sons. So is Allah in the Bible the same, or is God in the Bible the same as Allah is in Islam? No, it isn't. Now, it is true, the word for God in Islam is Allah, But it's not the same God that the Bible speaks of because John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So in fact, the Bible's God says that God does have sons. And as a matter of fact, the son. And then through his adoption process, we become his children. Versus Islam that says God had no sons. Big difference. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. And though he is God's son, in that we all are God's sons, but he's just Michael the Archangel. Mormonism teaches that God has other celestial sons. Not John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. But Mormonism teaches that Satan or Lucifer and Jesus are brothers. Both children of God, sons of God. Now, the Bible clearly says that's false. And as you go to Hinduism in the Middle East. We're all God's sons. There's Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. It doesn't matter. We're all God's sons. He's just one of the many greats, just as you can be if you work hard enough. Get out there and sell some Twinkies in airports with your orange beanies. You'll make it. They got all these different formulas. See, they don't honor God's son. Who does the Bible say that Jesus Christ is? He's God's son, And in certain places in the Bible, he says he is God. 
And that's pretty important. Who raised Jesus from the dead? In Romans, we find that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Also, in the same verse, we find that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Then you look in the book of John and you say, Jesus said, you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. Jesus said, he is the one that raised himself from the dead. Oh man, I'm confused. All three claiming to be God. Well, you have the deity of Christ wrapped up in the same type of package. Are you ready for this? People say, well, I don't understand God. Okay, we were made in what? The image of God, right? Now, how is it that you are a body, a mind, and a spirit all in one? Do all of you agree? I hope so. Do you hope so? Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> going into massive schizophrenia. Okay. But the point is, is that we are a triune being as well. People say, oh, I can't understand the Trinity. Now, if I can't understand something, I can't believe in it. I look at them and say, boy, you're really a schizo because then you can't understand you. You can talk to a person. I am one of these people. I say to myself, I should not have another ice cream cone. <laughs> Commonly known as body putty, okay? I shouldn't have another ice cream cone. I think, you know, this might fry my pancreas out. I could end up with diabetes, but it's so good. So I have a little war going on inside of me. My body says, yeah, baby. My brain's going, you shouldn't. And my spirit is saying, leave it for me to decide, (laughs) you know. But the truth of the matter is, that's what happens. That's how we're a triune being. We're all one, yet we all have our own individual identities. Because your body is not your mind, friend. You talk to an alcoholic, give me another beer. You know you should stop drinking? Yep. Are you going to stop drinking? Nope. Why? There's a disconnect. Now see, when we are a triune being working one with another. See, this is what you see with Christ, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see a triune being working in perfect unity versus us who are dysfunctional, oftentimes in what we think and what we do. Should we be doing this? No. Why am I doing it? I don't know. So, people believe different things. And so, knowing who Christ is, so important. You need to know who Christ is. That needs to be settled in your heart. He's God. He's God's son. He came to this earth. He was pre-existent before he was born in Bethlehem. He was not created by the Father. He has always been. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.